We are live from the great state of Tennessee. I'm your host, Patrick Simpson, and this is Paranoid, the podcast where we break down conspiracy theories and unsolved mysteries and separate fact from fiction. So today's story of the week, jump back into the alien world. Like I said, I honestly haven't been doing many episodes about aliens. I got to get back on track. So I'm going to see the reason why I created this podcast. Something interesting. I think this happened last week. I should have covered it last episode, but I honestly forgot about it. So if you don't know anything about politics, it's a man by the name of John Ratcliffe. He was a member of the House of Representatives for Texas from 2015 to 2020. Then in May of 2020, he became the director of national intelligence for the United States. And he served on that as that role until January 20th, once we got a new president. And like I said, the director of national intelligence is a pretty new thing. It, it was formed in 2005. So it's not like something, it's not like the CIA, FBI. This is something that's brand new, but whatever it is, he's the president of it. He comes out. And he says the U.S. has secret evidence of UFOs breaking the sound barrier without a sonic sonic boom and performing moves that humans don't have technology for. Now, there's a lot about this dude. This dude does have a weird background. So I'm not walking around saying that whatever he's saying is law. But. It's just interesting that a dude that was the actual director of national intelligence is walking around saying that we have evidence of this. And I mean, to me, it's not new information because I've already believed this. But like I said, as I give continue to give you more and more updates through episodes over the months and hopefully over the years, like I said, you just get more and more. You got Marco Rubio, who is spearheading this campaign about getting like basically the u.s needs to stop hiding ufo information he's spearheading this campaign you got some dude in pakistan saying that we already have proof of alien life like like i said 2020 was a crazy year as you know so a lot of stuff happened 2020 but now it's we're getting we're in april 2021 and we still got people coming out and saying this and like i said in the 90s even in early 2000s you were brushed away as a lunatic. But now more and more people are at least, like I said, they may not believe it, but they're starting to come to terms that, okay, we might not be alone. We don't know what that means, but at least like the talk of UFOs, extraterrestrial life is not looked down on as much now. Like I said, we're talking about the director, national intelligence. Now this dude was only here for six months. So like I said, I'm not walking around saying, what he's saying is right, but like I said, there's more and more and more people that have actually been in these positions that would possibly have access to this information start to talk. Eventually, you start to put it together. Like one person, whatever, two people, whatever. Like I said, the numbers are growing and growing and growing by the months. And I'll be here. I said, I don't expect you to do the research. That's what I'm here for. I'm here for you to do the research for you. So as each time someone brings more information, I'll post it, and then we can start putting all the pieces together. So like I said, this has kind of been kind of UFO news. has been kind of quiet the past couple of months. But like I said, this, if we are to even take anything what this guy says with a grain of salt, it is a nice 
bombshell, which like I said, if you are even in the belief of extraterrestrial life, UFOs, whatever, I mean, you would have to assume that their technology can move without creating a sonic boom because we would be hearing it when they move. But if you're not under the belief, like I said, you need a little bit more convincing, then piece of information like this would actually be important. So we'll keep track. We'll keep going. Hopefully we'll get to that point where so we can get some actual concrete evidence so y'all skeptics can stop looking at me like I'm crazy. Which even if we do get evidence, I guess you still look at me like I'm crazy because I have a bunch of other crazy theories. But anyway, just keep track. Everything going on. More and more people. Now that we're in a different administration, it's going to be interesting to see if we can get some information from anybody in this administration. So we got some whatever you want to call this stuff from the previous administration. So now it's completely new administration. So now if we start getting some information from people that are on the different side of the political spectrum. Then we can really start to dig in. Because like I said, same people saying the same things is whatever. I understand you being a skeptic. Like I said, we got a new administration, different security directors, different everything. So hopefully if we start getting trickling information from this administration, then things could really start to take off here in the next couple of years. But for now, let's go ahead and get into the actual story for today. The one question that just about everyone has, I would say everyone has wondered at least once, probably multiple times throughout their life, is the big question that surrounds basically all of our humanity. What happens after you die? And this is honestly the basis for religion and just about everything that goes on in our world. Obviously, we have, especially here in America, we have Christianity, where we believe in when you pass away, there's a heaven. And depending on the nomination, there's a hell, but there's a place for you to go after you pass away. Then there's other people that believe that there's no such thing as souls. And basically, once we die, that's it. You're just basically in permanent sleep. Then not as well known in America, but very well known in other countries and a lot of other religions, especially in Asia, is the concept of reincarnation. And Reincarnation is a very broad thing when you really dig into it, but the basis of it is when you die, you'll be reincarnated in back here on this same earth. Now, like I said, depending on your religion or where you live, some believe that you may not come back as a human. You may come back as an animal or something else other than a human. Then there's the one where you will be reincarnated as an actual human, but you'll start over as a baby. And like I said, you're free to believe whatever you want to believe. We're not digging into the actual belief of it, but it is a very popular thing to believe in reincarnation. So when we come into scenarios like we're going to talk about today, it raises some eyebrows, especially if you're kind of open to that line of thinking. And there's been a bunch of other scenarios that 
have at least brought up the discussion of reincarnation. But the story that we're going to talk about today is to still to this day, the most, I guess I would say, the closest evidence that you could possibly have if you are on the realms or if you believe in that realm of reincarnation. And we got to jump all the way back to 1957. We have an 11-year-old and we have a six-year-old. They're walking to school with their friend one day, and unfortunately, they are hit by a car, and all three girls end up passing away. I said two of them were sisters. The parents, like any parent in the entire world, was absolutely devastated. But two years later, they unexpectedly give birth to twins, and they're happy. You know, they get to be parents again after what happened. But as they get a little older and start to talk, they start to bring up some things that only the previous kids would have known. Nicknames for their dolls, specific places, things that they were scared of. Like this moment these kids begin to talk, they start bringing up these different things. Like I said, that only the mom, dad, and the previous two daughters would know. And from there, the story just gets crazier and crazier. This is the story of the Pollock sisters. So as I said, we jump back to the year 1957, and we are in a very small English town called Hexham. And the couple, the parents, were by the name of Florence Pollock, the wife, and her husband, John Pollock. I think they met in like the 1940s, just your basic, regular Christian family. And they had two young girls, 11-year-old jo Joanna and 6-year-old Jacqueline. And basically, it said it was May 5th, 1957, and it's just a normal, regular Sunday. The girls eat breakfast, and they start making their way to church. Um, I guess the children walked on their own. They were with another friend, I think a six-year-old or nine-year-old named Anthony. So I guess the parents were running behind, and they, the kids walked to church, which may have been a regular thing. I'm not exactly sure. But while walking to church, tragedy strikes and all three of the children are hit and killed. And the circumstances behind this is pretty sad. Except death in itself is sad anyway. But then you go to why this happened. It wasn't an accident at all. Basically, it was a out-of-control driver. It was a woman that was intoxicated. She basically drugged herself. She had just lost a custody battle, so she lost custody of her kids and felt all hope was lost. So she took a bunch of pills and she just started driving her car with the intentions of killing herself, and which is cowardly in itself to do it. I mean, you sh shouldn't commit suicide anyway, but definitely you should like you shouldn't be doing it on the road in tr where you know there's a good chance you're going to take someone with you. 
And she like said she takes three kids with her driving out of control. And obviously, Florence and John are absolutely devastated. Said so they lose the two little girls way too soon. The mother goes into a deep depression, which is understandable. Because I don't have kids, but I can't even imagine the kind of pain it would have to lose both of your children in a senseless accident like that. So like I said, they're they're absolutely devastated. But eventually they do try and have another kid. So they love being parents and they really wanted kids in their life. So they try and um, not too soon later, I think it was early 1958, so about a year later, she, Florence gets pregnant again, and they are told by their doctor that they are having one single kid. Like they could, I don't know what kind of technology. I'm assuming technology wasn't great in 1957. Oh, I could be wrong. Maybe there was accurate information in 1957, but whatever there was, they were told that they were having one kid. And the whole time, all the way through the pregnancy, they went through this whole process preparing to have one kid. But then on October 4th, 1958, Florence gives birth to identical twins. And it wasn't until literally at the day of birth that they realized that they were had two children to take care of, two, two identical twin girls who they named Julian and Jennifer. And the babies were normal, healthy. Everything was perfectly fine. And like there was no abnormally, nothing abnormal going on. So completely healthy and good to go. But it didn't take long for just some weird things to start happening. I don't know anything about identical twins. I don't know if identical twins are supposed to have identical birthmarks. I honestly don't know. It's just crazy because I have two sisters that are twins, but they're not identical twins. So I don't know if identical twins have the same birthmark. But apparently they do because this was unusual, considered unusual that they did have different birthmarks. And specifically, we go to Jennifer. She has two birthmarks. She has one on her waist and the other on her forehead. And the reason why this is interesting and important is because these were the exact same locations where the daughter Jacqueline that passed away had a birthmark and a scar. So she had a birthmark on her hip when she was like six or something like that. She always had the birthmark on her hip, but she fell playing outside. Something happened. She got into an accident playing outside and she ended up having a permanent scar on her forehead. So the baby Jennifer is born and she has born automatically with a birthmark on the hip and a birthmark on the forehead. And I would assume a birthmark on the forehead is very, very, very unusual. Usually it's like in your arm or lower body. Never seen a birthmark on the forehead. So that was the first thing that was like, well, that's you no know, weird. And the parents were a little taken back by some of the things, but they weren't, according to them, they weren't very superstitious people. So they basically just shrugged it off as being a coincidence. So they go home. Life goes on as normal. Said babies cannot talk. 
So they were just regular babies and nothing out of the ordinary was going on after that. But as the girls got to get a little bit older and able to start to talk, that's when things start to get really, really weird. Now, something to note before this is not too soon or soon, a little soon after the twins were born, the family wanted to get a fresh start, which is understandable. They don't want to live and continue have to have to see the place where their previous daughters were killed. So they decide to move to a place called Bexley Bay, which is on England's northeast coast. I don't know much about, I've been to England, but I don't know much about England, but I'm assuming it's on the other side of England. So they completely moved to the other side of the country to get a fresh start. So they're in a complete, they're basically growing up as babies in a completely new area from where the previous sisters grew up. So that's important to keep in mind. And it wasn't until they got to Bexley Bay that they got so they got older, began to talk, and that's when the weird stuff starts happening. The girls just knew things that only the previous sisters, apparently, would have known. Almost as soon as they were able to start forming full sentences, they began asking for their, this is the direct quote, they started asking for their old toys. So the parents were confused and they're like, what do you mean by your old toys? And the twins responded immediately. Their old toys, and they, I don't remember the names of the dolls, but the dolls had specific names that the previous two daughters had given them nicknames. Like, obviously, you don't know, say it's a Barbie, and they named her Brittany. The new twins were like, I want my old doll, Brittany. But they didn't bring this doll to the new city with them. So it's not like something that they just saw and was like, I want that toy. This was something that they threw away. It was an old toy from the previous sisters. But yet the new twins are asking for these toys that they've never seen before. So hopefully that makes sense. Like I said, I know this can be a little confusing. But hopefully what I just said makes sense because it really is. It can get kind of confusing. There's a lot going on. So hopefully that makes sense. Like I said, we got the new twins. As soon as they start talking, they are asking for their old toys that never existed in their world. They were old toys from the previous sisters that passed away. That's about the easiest way I can put it. And this just completely freaked the parents out. How on earth, how in the world did these girls know about these old toys that their previous daughter had, which I would be pretty creeped out also. And from there, like I said, a bunch of other weird stuff started happening. But after only a short time in Bexley Bay, the parents became became homesick. I'm not sure about the background, but that might be where they're from. So there may be their parents or cousins or some kind of family there. So they get homesick and they move back to Hexham, not realizing what, or at least we think, not realizing what they're about to get themselves into. So they get back to where everything started in Hexham. 
And apparently the girls start to recognize landmarks and familiar places that they that the family used to go all the time. Although they had never been there since like they were literally newborns, they were able to identify specific landmarks and other stuff that would have been basically impossible for them to remember seeing as literally a newborn. Even weirder, they could find some spots and remember and say that like, hey, this was our favorite spot. I don't know if it was ice cream joint or whatever it was, but they like the places that their sisters, that the previous daughters loved, they would look at that and be like, I love that place too. And basically it said it just kept going on and on and only said according to the parents it goes on and on and they said that this even scared them a little but they say that the girls start to have taste and preferences that are basically exactly identical to their older sisters that are passed away they had the same favorite food favorite type of clothes and even favorite songs he said this is all according to the parents as if that wasn't enough, these two girls go to school and they correctly identify some old friends that were friends of Joanna and Jacqueline, as well as other kind of acquaintances. So to make the most sense out of that, let's say the previous sisters had a best friend named Sandy. I don't know. So these new sisters show up to school or show up in the neighborhood and was like, hi, Sandy. Like it was nothing. And Sandy's like, uh, I don't know who these people are. How do they know my name? But they just walking around identifying the previous sisters, best friends without any kind of heads up. At least that's it. Well, we're told without any kind of heads up. They're just remembering all of Joanna's and Jacqueline's friends. In addition, they both had a unexplainable phobia of cars, which remember the cars is what killed the sisters um, previously. And I said, that's not necessarily a connection. I mean, kids are, can be scared of cars, but like, according to them, these two girls were like absolutely scared of cars like they refused like they freaked out anytime a car came by like the, when they took walks and you know you hear the cars coming from behind you that freaked them out like they were just absolutely terrified of cars so like i said if this if i'm in this situation i am absolutely totally freaked out so i'm assuming that the parents are freaked out also so they reach out to a psychologist, child psychologist by the name of Dr. Ian Stevenson. And he was writing a book on reincarnation. He was studying about 14 different kids and ends up adding Julian and Jennifer, the new kids, the new twins, to his study. Now, obviously, this doctor, child psychologist, whatever he is, is researching reincarnation. So I'm not going to be naive and act like this dude was going into this unbiased. He was doing research on this. So he wanted to be a revolutionary or whatever he was aiming for. 
So it's not super far-fetched that he would go out of his way to try to find the truth or his own version of the truth. And he followed these girls for a good while, like even separating them away from the parents. And like I said, he came to the conclusion that basically this is the best example of reincarnation that our world has ever seen. And like I said, that was his conclusion. He was well-respected in that community. But like I said, he who knows what kind of biases he went into it. So it's impossible, I guess, to really know what the truth is. But the thing that is interesting is at the age of five, when they turned five, all of this stopped. They had no more recollection of the past and they basically they just lived i think they're still alive i'm not sure honestly i think they are but after the age of five they couldn't they didn't remember anything and have any kind of these memories again and they just went on to live their regular life which is interesting because we're gonna go we're gonna deep dive a little bit deeper into this why is that age of five significant i don't know We'll get into that in a second. Now, something else to keep in note, which is very important, obviously, is the father did believe in reincarnation. And the mother adamantly didn't believe in reincarnation. So, like I said, I'm not gonna I'm not coming on here to tell you reincarnation is a real thing. It is a crazy story, it is an interesting story, but there is a high probability. That the father, like I said, he believed that reincarnation was possible. It's possible he either just completely lied or he kind of spoon fed the children these stories until they started to make sense. So they're little kids. It's not easy to manipulate them, tell them to say certain things. So that is a high probability. But then again, like I said, there is always. Now, this is extreme. This isn't even really a conspiracy. This is. I don't even know what you would call this. I guess technically it is a conspiracy theory, but this is a little bit type of different kind of type of conspiracy theory, and it d- digs deep into your if you're religious, it digs into your religion or your just overall view of the world. If you even for a second can think that something like this is possible, so like I said, I can give you the facts. I'm not going to spoon feed you. I don't care what you believe. I'm going to give you the truth no matter what. I'm not coming into this telling you to believe this. So I'm just letting you know that the father was a believer in reincarnation. So you have to think that that might have played a part. And but like I said, while that is the one of the most popular and clearer stories, there are some other crazy and interesting stories that kind of give this a little bit more merit if you're willing to be open into it. One of the, the most interesting one that I ran into, um, it was a three-year-old, three-year-old boy in Golan Heights. And I think Golan Heights, I don't even know. It's terrible. It's somewhere near Syria. I know that. I'm sorry. I'm not good at um, geography. Somewhere near Syria. In Golan Heights, 
He's three years old, so he can barely talk. But he, as soon as he starts learning how to talk, he starts telling his elders that he had been killed by an axe, like the uh, axe. Someone killed him with an axe in a prior life. So the boy was led through several villages to see if any of them were familiar to him. Once he found the familiar village, he claimed he knew exactly who had killed him. Suddenly, the boy walked up to a man and said, aren't you? The name was Eli Lash. The man answered, yes. Then the boy said, I used to be your neighbor. We had a fight and you killed me with an axe. Then the apparently the the dude, the Eli dude, turns like super white as a sheet and like his jaw absolutely drops. Then the three-year-old boy says, I even know where he buried my body. So afterwards, the boy leads his elders to a pile of stones under which they find a body with an axe wound to its head. He also led them to the spot where the axe was buried and the killer confesses to the crime. Now, that could mean a bunch of different things. Like I said, I'm not here to spoon feed you and make you believe conspiracies. This three-year-old kid, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I honestly don't know. I don't know anything about Syria. I mean, it could all be some crazy setup, but it is, like I said, it is an interesting story. And there's a bunch. Like I said, if you really want to go down this wormhole, there's a whole lot of weird type of reincarnation stories that you can find. Like this one that's probably, this one may be more popular in America. It's probably the second most popular worldwide. You got a kid by the name of James Leninger, who was born in 1998. At the, by the age of 18 months, James Leninger was obsessed with World War II airplanes. After a while, he began having nightmares about being shot down and unable to escape from the cockpit that's on fire. Every now and then, he would give his parents more and more details, and as I would be, they're super confused and kind of freaked out. He says that he used to fly a Corsair from the deck of a boat called the Natoma, and that he had known a guy on the boat named Jack Larson, and that his name had been James. It's the same name that he has now. He also said that he had been shot down by, quote, the Japanese over the sea. Now, his parents, Bruce and Andrea, super normal Christian parents, absolute non-believers in reincarnation. So it's not like the previous story where the dad was in re into reincarnation. He has steadfast Christian parents that are against reincarnation. So basically, the father just starts to do research just to prove that none of this is true. And they can kind of move on from this. But as he does more digging into World War II, he finds out that there had been a U.S. Navy carrier called the Natoma. One of the pilots was a man by the name of Lieutenant James Huston. James Huston was killed on March 3rd, 1945, in the Battle of Iwo Jima. After being shot down by the Japanese, his Fighter plane plunged into the Pacific. And there was a fellow Natoma Bay pilot named Jack Larson that had been flying next to Huston 
when he saw his friend get shot down. So doing some more digging, they find out that this friend named Jack Larson is still alive. And so was this James Huston's sister. So, uh, which is just crazy to think about, but they schedule a get together with the little boy, James, that's born in 1998. They schedule a meeting and now both the pilot's sister and his friend, Jack Larson, are convinced that this little boy, James, is their friend and brother, James Huston reincarnated. I don't know. I'm assuming I haven't done too much digging. I'm kind of just going off of memory on this, but I'm assuming the fact that they got convinced, they must have asked them like some super, I'm hoping, I'm assuming, they asked them like some super detailed things, like things that only him and his sister would know or only stories that him and the Jack friend would know. I'm assuming they asked those questions but now you got two other adults that never met this boy before leaving the meeting, believed, believing 100% that this is Lieutenant James Huston reincarnated. Like I said, those are the two most popular stories. If you really want to go down this wormhole, like I said, I mean, there's, I'll say there's hundreds, if not more. There are tons and tons and tons of different kind of stories that you can explore about this. And like I said, I'm not going into this, never any episode, but specific, especially this episode, I'm not going into this. I'm not leaving you with this, telling you that this is real or even that it's possible. Like I said, I, some of the things that I talk about, I believe wholeheartedly. Then there's some things, like I said, that I'll talk about coming up, like the moon landing that I do not believe. Like, I believe we went to the moon. I'm don't, I'm not on the side of the people that are anti-moon. So I'm going to talk about things that I just find interesting. So again, like I said, this could be controversial, especially if you're super religious or don't believe in reincarnation. Just don't come at me like, oh, I can't believe you're putting this down my throat. I am a Christian myself. I am not a believer in reincarnation, but it is fun. If you're listening to this podcast, I'm assuming you're listening to it for fun. I, I mean, I... Don't want you to take this too seriously. We're here for fun. We're here to have a good time. We're here to go down YouTube wormholes. And this is a very interesting one to go down. So you don't have to come out of this. I don't expect you to come out of this believing any of this. But again, on the other side, if you want to believe it or if you do believe it, go ahead. I mean, nobody really knows. I mean, technically, if you want to get technical, I mean, both could be true. Maybe, like I said, I'm not saying this is the case, but maybe, you know, heaven is real. But if we mess up, God gives us another chance to do it again in a different body. And they kind of go hand in hand. I mean, could that be a thing? I, I don't know. I mean, when nobody truly knows the answer, we believe certain things and we go with those beliefs, but nobody 100% knows what happens after death. So, like I said, it's just a fun wormhole to go down. Like I said, you may be like, oh, this is stupid, but you may come out of this, like I said, not believing it, but then doing more research and being like, okay, this is actually a possibility. Like I said, whatever you want to do with it, whatever you want to believe, do it. You don't have to follow me. 
at all. But let's just like let's just go along with it. Let's just play around. I want you to think about that for a second. If we just put our actual beliefs aside and let's just have fun for a quick second. What if in this crazy instance, reincarnation actually was real? It would explain. It could explain. It could explain a lot of things. Maybe you've had like some weird memories that definitely didn't happen and you just brushed it off or even dreams. Like we have dreams that are like super weird or maybe from like a different time or maybe from the past. And like, we're like, well, it's just a dream could be connected to that. I mean, like I said, if you really want to dig into this, you really can. And even if we don't have any memories, it is kind of a cool thought to think that we were, I mean, I wasn't around in the seventies at, as Patrick, But who's to say I wasn't around in the 70s as another man? And once I passed away, I was born or reincarnated into the person I am today. And this is my second shot to try to get things right. I mean, if we were to just, like I said, have fun with it and think about it, that is a pretty crazy thought. Or after our time is up on our current body or current earth, whatever you want to call it, Maybe if we didn't do things right this time, we'll get another chance afterwards. Like I said, if we were even to entertain that, that is a pretty crazy thought. Like I said, that's the whole point of wormholes. I don't expect you to go down wormholes with the thought of changing your mind. But like I said, it's just a fun thought. But like I said, if you are religious or if you are beliefs or things, do not. I'm not telling you to change those beliefs, but like I said, you can have fun with it. Like I said, be strong in your beliefs, whatever you believe, whether you're Christian, Catholic, atheist, whatever you are. Like I said, you can be strong in your belief, but you can also have fun and go down some wormholes either. But if you're not comfortable with that, if you think this kind of thinking is going to hurt your beliefs, then brain dump this episode. But I assume most of us are strong enough in whatever we believe that like I said, we can have fun with this. Like I said, that's all this podcast is here for. Now, I do want you to prepare for UFO, aliens, whatever that may be. That's something I kind of take seriously. But the topics, conspiracies, unsolved mysteries, things like this, like I said, we're just having fun with it. So, like I said, I want to hear your thoughts on it. What are your beliefs? Do you think it's even somewhat of a possibility? Like I said, I want to know. As always, I always love the engagement, but I really want to know what you think. Are you steadfast in whatever you believe? Are you coming out of this thinking that you may have been on this earth at a previous time? That is all I got for today. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. Maybe have some fun, learn something new. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at underscore Patrick Simpson. I'm always there for engagement. Really appreciate it. Like I said, it never has never wavered from last June since I started doing this. People are always tagging me, sending suggestions. Please keep it up. I really appreciate it. Try to respond to everything that I see. Sometimes I do miss some things, but please do not stop sending me your suggestions, interesting stories. I really appreciate it. If you haven't subscribed yet, take a quick second just to press that subscribe button so you can get the episodes as soon as they drop. 
And if you're on Apple or iTunes, appreciate it if you take a quick second just to leave an honest review. Nice little comment on there if you want, just so the people that are interested in getting into this podcast can know what someone other than me has to say. Say your input, your reviews really do make a difference. And we'll be back next Monday with a very new episode. My name is Patrick Simpson, and this is Paranormal.